Hello and welcome to the Beyond the Kitchen Table podcast, a podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a successful business. My name's Marie and I'm a website designer based in the UK. And each week I will bring you simple and actionable tips to help with your website, your marketing and just running a small business. So let's get started. Welcome to the Beyond the Kitchen Table podcast. This week I am delighted to introduce another guest to you, Wendy Vies. Wendy is a marketing consultant and social media training, and she helps small businesses to build awareness and grow through targeted marketing advice and social media training. And she specializes on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And certainly I have attended one of Wendy's LinkedIn trainings, and I'm still not active on LinkedIn, Wendy, but (laughs) I know what I should be doing when I eventually get my act together. So first of all, welcome, Wendy. Thank you so much, Marie. Thank you for having me. Uh, really excited uh, for this my first podcast that I'm recording. Good. It, it is indeed. Really, that really surprises me, especially given you've got such a trainer background that you're not on these more. But hopefully, this is the start of a new career. Then, as a absolutely. <laughs> so, can you tell me first of all, in your own words, what it is that you do and how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I've worked in marketing my whole career. I started off in big, big businesses, uh, including Nestle and Procter & Gamble. And that really provided me with an amazing marketing grounding, like the best training I could ask for. Um, But fast forward a few years, I really wanted to use what I'd learned with the big boys to help smaller businesses to grow. Um, And that alongside the fact that I needed and wanted to find a more flexible working life around three young kids really prompted me to set up my own business um, and and, and do exactly what I I wanted to do is help smaller businesses to grow. So um, I set up my business in 2018 and I now focus on some marketing consultancy and social media training, as you said, to small business owners. with a focus on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and my, my clients tend to be, you know, solopreneurs, small businesses who want to upskill, who want to upskill on social media um, or need to upskill on social media and they're not able to afford to outsource their social media long term. So that's where I come in. I train them how to do it themselves. And it's interesting that you started working for some of the best known marketing businesses globally, I was going to say in the UK, but certainly globally um, in Nestle and Procter and Gamble. And I guess the marketing principles that you learned there apply just as well to small businesses. Can you maybe just explain a little bit about what it is that's exactly the same between a big business and a small business when it comes to marketing? Yeah, what's exactly the same is that you have to know your audience. You have to know your customer. Um, That principle doesn't change. And the better you know them, the better you know what makes them tick, the better you know their problems, you're in a position then to, you know, marry that up with what you offer. Um, And another element is, you know, authenticity. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but being yourself. Um, that's sometimes hard to kind of get across with in the big brands that have big budgets, but ultimately the storytelling, as long as that is authentic, I think that that's what wins. And I definitely found that from 
you know, the days back in, in P&G and Nestle and, and what I'm teaching now and trying to do now is that ultimately it's that building that authentic connection with your client is, is what it's all about. And I would say that's arguably easier with a small business than with a large corporate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you have that opportunity to, to meet your customer in the flesh with a small business. You now you're with them a lot and that just doesn't happen with a massive corporate. Um, and so you do end up spending a little budget. We did a lot of focus groups, a lot of interviews to track to actually get in front of the audience. Um, and and help us to understand them, and that's so much easier, as you said, uh, now with with uh, a small business. And I guess one of the things that's developed since you've, well, I guess it was around before you set up your own business, but certainly has developed a lot more since, is the role of social media in marketing. And can we talk for a moment just about social media and, I guess, why it matters? Why, if you are a small business, you need to be on maybe not all of LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, but you need to choose a channel and, and be on one. Yeah. And um, I would say social media is not going anywhere in a hurry. You know, as you said, it has grown and grown and grown over the years and the vast majority of us will use it every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And I always think back to one of the earliest definitions of marketing that I was taught, which is that marketing is simply communicating your product or your service to your customer when and where they're most receptive. And it's this kind of when and where they're most receptive element that is really important, you know, and very relevant now with social media, because today, not for everyone, but for many, many, many customers, that, that is social media. Um, and the other thing I would say is for small businesses, in fact, for any business, it is probably one of the most cost-effective ways to build your awareness, you know, to, to help people know that you exist on a much larger scale. Um, so to reach that large volume of your audience with just one post. Um, and so it's, you know, for many businesses, it has replaced the, the print advertising and, and the television advertising, um, which are, you know, very, very expensive. And you don't, and with social media, you've got that added benefit of being able to, to target um, and even from an organic standpoint to try and build your audience with the right sorts of people so that your post is, is reaching the, the, the sort of the right eyes, as it were. I think I'm probably not alone in spending more time on social media each day than I do reading anything in print or, <laughs> or watching television. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. when you think when you're reading print, you're not just reading the ads, you are reading news items, or certainly I am, or you're reading articles in a magazine. And similarly, when you're watching TV, okay, sometimes it might feel like the ads dominate, especially with the more popular programs, but you're actually watching TV and then sometimes even fast forwarding through the advert. So social media, ignoring the fact it's free, people are just spending so much more time on there than they are on any other form of media. Exactly, exactly that. And it doesn't, you know, I think we often talk about oh, when is the best time to post and, you know, it is important that you're kind of active on social media when your audience is online. You, you have a better chance then of, then of them seeing your post then and there and having that chance to, to view it and potentially engage with it. 
But actually thinking about, well, when are they most active online is changing quite a bit. Because if I look at, as you said, my own times of the day that I'm looking at social media, it is quite constant across the day. Um, there aren't those buckets of early in the morning, lunchtime, evening that there used to be. Um, so I think, yeah, that's something to to bear in mind as well. Yeah, that's very true. I think most of us look at social media in snatches, or certainly that's what I do. And sometimes it might be standing in the queue at the supermarket and I've got a spare three minutes and absolutely nothing to do. So I will open my phone and I'll scroll um, during those times. I guess if you're aiming for people who commute, then it's slightly different because you've got commuting times to and from the office. But I guess in these days when so many people work from home, even that is less relevant now. That's true. But as you said, it's all about knowing that that audience, knowing when they potentially are looking at their phone, knowing when they're absolutely not looking at their phone um, and then trying to work around that. Yeah, and actually that last point is equally valid, isn't it? If your target audience is mums with small children. <laughs> yeah, at certain times of the day, yes. early evening, when you exactly. know that they are just going to be fraught and the last thing they're going to yes. be doing is picking up their phone. If their phone yeah. is being picked up, it's probably by it's their two-year-old. The <laughs> exactly, and that can be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they're not usually your target audience, although they can be pretty persuasive, I guess. And for a lot of us small business owners, Social media can be, it can be overwhelming and it can also take up a huge amount of time. And certainly one of the things that I think probably you and others have taught me is that it's better to do one platform well. Um, First of all, well, I guess the first question is, do you think people should focus on one platform or do you think they should have a presence on more than one platform? Um, So again, I think it boils down to the target, to your target customer. So if you just have one defined type of customer one you know persona if you like then it's fine to focus on one platform and do that really really well most of us will have a couple of different um target customer groups if you like so for example it could be um you know mums with small businesses as one audience but maybe we're trying to get more into um, into slightly larger businesses and we may define that as a different audience group that we're trying to attract and that's when I would say well then think about the platforms that those individuals are on they possibly aren't the same one and then you might be looking at a couple but I would say two one or two um, is is ideal because you don't want to spread yourself too thin um, ideally, you don't want to just be posting the same content like for like on every on every platform. I would say definitely the base can can stay. The messaging will be the same, but trying to tweak it for the particular platform that you're working on um, is important. So, so probably one or two um, is what I'd say. Less, you know, less can be more, d- and and gives you the opportunity to to do it well. Um, and in terms of, of choosing the platform, another thing to be aware of is what are the features of that particular platform? So if you're a product or a retail business, for example, then choosing a platform with a shop, with a shop integration, um, such as Facebook or Instagram, will be, will be important because 
you can then use shoppable posts and that can be so impactful for your business. Um, similarly, if, if visuals are key for your business, so if you're a photographer or an interior designer or a restaurant, for example, then choosing a platform like Instagram when you, you, know, you can really showcase your business um, is, going, is going to help you um, much more than, for example, Twitter or X, as it's now, as it's now called. And I mean, talking of Instagram, which is my preferred social media platform, and the one certainly I'm most active on, the impression I get is that it's a very female-oriented platform. Is that the case? I mean, my husband has now finally got an account. Not that he looks at it very often, <laughs> but he has actually got an account. But I get the impression, or maybe it's just my audience is very female. Is it the case that Instagram is a very female platform? So in terms of the waiting Yes, more so uh, than than Facebook, um, for example, which Facebook is quite uh, evenly split. But I think last I looked, I think Instagram is probably a bit more 60% female, 40% male. There are a lot of men on it, but I think, again, it's, it's possibly our audiences are very much uh, are females. Um, but yes, if you do look at it, there are, there are overall, there are more more women as as users than than men on Instagram. Um, that may that may or may not change. Be interesting to in, interesting to see. I would expect the male user um, base to increase. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure why I, I I found it to be more female. Maybe it's just the kind of businesses that I follow on there. But certainly, men are just as interested in things which have images as as women. That is true. <laughs> Although in saying that, my husband spends more time watching YouTube videos about cycling, which is <laughs> you have less of on uh, on Instagram. And a lot of small business owners really struggle with social media and making it work for them. And certainly, as I know we have discussed before, I feel that I certainly haven't conquered Instagram, but Instagram, I feel, works for me and I get business through Instagram often as an add-on to how else I know other people. So I might meet them at a networking event and then we'll follow each other on Instagram and over time they might become clients or they might recommend me to other people. So it's a case of building up that relationship, not just the case of the only way that we know each other. Um, LinkedIn I've had far less success on, although being consistent is probably one of the issues there. But how can people improve their performance on social media? I know that's a very general question, and I guess it depends upon platform by platform. But is it the post? Is it the engagement? Is it the chat? What, you know, which of those are, are relevant and what can people be doing to be more successful on those platforms? So I think the key is what is success? You know, be clear on what is success for you when you're going on social media. I think that is the thing that if you can go on and say, I want to use social media because I just want people to know that I exist. Then you're telling yourself you want people to know that you exist. So you want them to see your content. When they see your content, you know, that is an, a measure of awareness that they know you exist. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, will go on, they'll jump into social media. They won't see many likes and comments. They'll feel... They'll feel disappointed. They'll come off and say social media doesn't work. But likes and comments are engagement metrics. They're not awareness metrics. So I think that's one of the initial battles is 
if you can go on and say, I just want people to know that I exist and be happy with that and start to look at reach and impressions and ignore the the other things, you will come away and go, yeah, I did. I did meet my my objective because my reach went up however many percent from, you know, month one to month two. And I think that is one of the things that certainly for me, you know, we call follower count a vanity metric because it doesn't tell you that those followers are the right audience. Uh, you know, all it tells you is that they're aware. So, you know, watching your follower count grow is a great metric for awareness, but not much else. Um, and and so that's what I would say is be clear on what you're trying to achieve. And, and remember that like with any, any other social media or marketing activity in general, you're trying to take your customer on a journey. They're not going to engage with you until they know that you exist and they're not going to to convert or buy from you until they're engaged. And they're not going to talk positively about you to all their friends and family until they've, you know, until they've gone through that that purchase and and sort of your after sales or your support. Um, so it is a journey and that journey takes time. And social media isn't, it's not, you know, possibly with with product businesses, you may, you may have a real impact straight away. But with most of us with service businesses, it does take time and that's okay. You know, and I would just say, plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed, be, be clear with yourself on what you're trying to achieve at, um, at any given time and just focus on the stats that, that link with those particular objectives. Um, and, and I always say that to my clients and when I do my strategy workshops, I say, you know, it, it doesn't need to work straight away and it won't work straight away. So just be clear with yourself on, on what success is for you, which may be very different to, you know, to somebody else. I think we're all very impatient is part of the problem. And we think that one post is going to lead to a whole load of, of new clients. So would you say social media is therefore a better tool for visibility than it is for actually converting to, to sales? For service businesses, absolutely. Yes, yes. I think for product businesses, it can have a massive impact on sales simply through the shop functionality that I talked about before. Um, but absolutely, I I see it as a as a visibility tool. I mean, there'll be so many times that I'll see somebody and they say, "Oh yes, you, you know, you're the one that I see all o- all over social media," and that tells me it's doing its job for what I want it to do, which is visibility. I'm not necessarily seeing that, you know, in engagements, pretty good, but you know, not necessarily in converting to sales, although. That has come over time, but I've been doing this, uh, you know, a long time. And I think, you know, it, social media is one part of marketing and most businesses will and should have other elements going. And I think it's a combination of those, um, particularly with a higher price point product or service, people will check you out on different uh, different channels before they before they come to that conversion or, or or buying stage. So, for me, yes, I would say um, it is it is more of a visibility tool. It's that first point in the journey or the funnel, if you like, around awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that a website goes very well with social media because yeah. social media is 
I can't remember, somebody once said it was a bit like going into a bazaar and there's lots of shiny objects everywhere, but actually yeah. it doesn't necessarily lead you along the right path. So yeah. you get interested by the shiny object and then you go to the website and the website, if it's been built correctly, should lead <laughs> somebody down the path to exactly. giving them the information they need to know and ultimately becoming a client. So the two, two go incredibly well together. It's when people expect the website to do the visibility bit, which is difficult. Yeah. I mean, SEO helps. Or when people expect the social media to do the selling bit, the conversion, the conversion yeah. bit, like you say, product-based business is, is, is slightly different. So if social media is more about visibility, can you give us maybe a couple of tips on, say, Instagram and LinkedIn as to how we can become more visible and visible to a new audience, perhaps in particular, on, on both of those? Yes. So um, starting off with LinkedIn, I think with LinkedIn, um, as a small business, um, I would recommend that you focus on your personal profile on LinkedIn as opposed to your company page. Um, and that might kind of seem counterintuitive, but actually, if you think about it, um, you, on, link, on LinkedIn with a company page, you wait for followers to follow that page. Whereas with the personal profile, balls in your court, you can go out and you can almost curate your connection base to the people that you want to see your content, to the people that you want to buy your product or service. Um, and so you know, starting off with that and, and trying to build up the, those connections through inviting people is, is definitely the first step in helping your visibility uh, to the right audience, I would say. It's harder to do that on Instagram. I mean, you know, it's not, we all know it, it's not a good thing to just follow, follow, follow loads of people in the hope that they will follow you back. And, you know, you, you do need to, to, to wait more and hope that your content is going to engage them and make you follow them. So LinkedIn, I think, is a really powerful tool um, for you to curate your audience in a much better way than any of the other social media platforms allows. So can I just ask them that? So, you know, if you've got a particular, I don't know, let's say I was building websites for just nutritional therapists. I don't. <laughs> but let's say I wanted to really target those on LinkedIn. And so I could obviously go out and I know the search function means that you can find those people. But yeah. could you just try and connect with people completely cold or should you generally try and connect with people either that you have met or alternatively have somebody or something in common? So if I was trying to connect with nutritional therapists, should I really just start with my local area or should I just randomly connect with people all around the country who I think might be suitable for, for my website services? So I would say that it is, you know, it's a good idea to filter by second connection on LinkedIn. So you do have a mutual um, connection in common. I think that sort of supports the invitation that goes with, you know, you, you know, someone um, in common. I don't think it's necessary to write a personal note. Um, and actually, I found that when I send them cold, if you like, LinkedIn's invitation text is all you really need. Um, and so I think if you met somebody 
um, then it's nice to just do a one-liner, you know, because they may not remember you and it be it's nice to say, great to meet you at the networking yesterday or whatever it might be. Um, but it seems to be the case that across the board, it's the cold invitations that actually tend to work better in terms of, you know, I'll go down and I will, I will accept pretty much all of, if not all of the invitations that I get, I'll find out quite soon after <laughs> if that was a mistake or not in, you know, in so far if, if somebody is just really trying to hard sell to me, the, the direct message will come straight away. But more often than not, um, I think that it just is a great tool for you to try and cherry pick that ideal audience um, don't think too much about it. I think people really struggle with the fact that they're reaching out to someone they don't know. And I think once you get over that, you know, that, that is part of the, the battle. And it's one of the beauties of, of LinkedIn is that what it, that's what it's all about. It's about building your audience and building the connections with, with the right people. That's, that's really helpful. You're a lot kinder than I am because I do not accept all requests. In that there are certain requests I get and I know that they are seeking to connect with me because of my role and they're going to sell to me. So I will accept requests which I think are going to be mutually beneficial. I don't have yeah. an issue with people targeting me because of the fact that I'm a website designer or I'm a founder, owner, whatever that might be. But those that I think you are never, ever going to become a client and you probably also aren't going to connect me with people who are clients. So those ones I just normally ignore. <laughs> you're, a little bit, you're a little bit kinder than I am. But I just wanted to pick you up on one thing as well. And again, I know we've had this conversation outside of the podcast before. So when people do start that sort of spammy sales DMs with you, do you then just disconnect from them or do you tend to leave them within your connections? I respond to them. If I, you know, if there's not a huge volume of them, I do respond to them uh, and politely decline um and i tend to leave them on because you never know who they know so as long as they get the message and they don't continually spam me um i will leave them on the other thing to bear in mind is if they are a connection then you will see their content in your feed so if that becomes too much and you feel like it's clogging up your feed with content that you don't want to see then, you know, by all means, you may decide to to disconnect from them. But so far, you know, the ones that I have, and there's been quite a few where I've gone back and I've said, I'm just not interested in this um, at this time. And they tend to stop so far, touch wood. So I've kept them in my bed. Very good. And obviously within LinkedIn, the trick, like you say, is getting that network in the first place. Once you've got that network, certainly one of the things that I have struggled with is getting any posts that I do put out there actually seen. So yeah. it is the visibility. And I know that your comments on other people's posts are obviously seen as well. So that's another way of getting visible. But once you've made those connections, how best should you go about actually trying to be visible on LinkedIn and getting your content using the widest meaning of the word content, so including engagement as well, getting that seen more? I think one of the 
things you can do is make sure you're using hashtags on LinkedIn. So hashtags do work on LinkedIn. And when I say they do work, what I mean by that is that people follow hashtags on LinkedIn. So they will find a hashtag, let's say, for example, hashtag social media marketing, they will follow it. And then the posts that include that hashtag will come up on their feed. Um, And that's a really, really good way of getting in front of people who are not already your connections, um, may not be connected with you, but they're following that that hashtag. Um, Of course, your posts then get seen by your own connections, but you have more of a chance of increasing your reach and your impressions and therefore your engagement by using that hashtag. Um, it's different to Instagram in that, you know, Instagram has a limit of 30 hashtags. Um, I don't even know what the limit is on LinkedIn, but I always would advise three or four is probably all you need because LinkedIn is not as large as Instagram. It is growing and growing and it's a brilliant platform. But in terms of volume and in terms of the number of people that are following those hashtags, it's going to be a lot smaller. And that's an important point is do your research up front, look at a hashtag on LinkedIn and look at how many people are following. Because you might think, you know, hashtag website design has hundreds of thousands of followers, but it may only have a few hundred. So you need to do that research um, up front. And I'd, I'd always say kind of you know, tens of thousands up to maybe a million is the sort of the sort of size that you that you're looking for so that you've got that volume to reach but it's not so huge that your posts would never be seen that's really helpful thanks you always forget that they are much more powerful on linkedin and i hadn't actually realized that the audience on linkedin was a lot smaller than instagram i mean it makes sense when you yeah when you say it but I mean, yeah, in the UK, it's definitely catching up. Um, I think in last count, it was something like, you know, 35 million monthly active users in the UK, which is, which is huge. That's pretty much our adult population um, on LinkedIn. I think it's maybe about 45 on Instagram. So not to, it is, you know, it's definitely catching up. But I think as, thinking not UK, thinking, you know, globally then your volume is just much much bigger on on instagram and the thing on linkedin as well is because it is a professional network they are generally are a wealthier demographic that you are targeting and it's obviously a combination of business owners and professional people or maybe not professional people as well but it it it's a different kind of audience to instagram and therefore receptive to business approaches Absolutely, absolutely. And they did a survey, I think, back in 2002 on the UK uh, LinkedIn base, and the average salary was something like £48,000. So these people do have a level of disposable income, which which has made it a really attractive platform, not just for service businesses, but for product businesses as well. Um, and as you said, if you are targeting uh, a particular profile, a particular kind of maybe a professional individual or you want to get more into companies and businesses then absolutely it's such a it's such a great platform um for that yeah quite a while ago on the podcast i interviewed zoe wongsum and she sells jewelry and cufflinks and she has absolutely smashed it on linkedin 
really, really interesting because a lot of people think that product businesses don't really work on LinkedIn. She has shown absolutely that is not the case. Absolutely. And I'm not surprised because the LinkedIn user is her customer. It's people like you and me who, who you know, who she's potentially trying to attract and we're active on LinkedIn. We love the platform um, and we spend time on it. So I'm not surprised that, that she's seen that. Mm. I'm not sure if I'd go so far as to say I love the platform. <laughs> <laughs> I love the platform. <laughs> One day, Marie. <laughs> One day I will make it work for me. I want to move on because obviously you run your own small business. And so like the rest of us, you need to get clients. And obviously social media plays a part in that. But but I know that you do other things as well. So can you explain a little bit about how you get clients and what has worked for you? Um, so aside from social media, I do a lot of networking. Um, I think particularly as a local service business, it's so much about building relationships when you are your business, people are buying into into you and, and what you offer. So the networking gives me that opportunity to meet people. Um, I belong to several networking groups and they're all very different, but the common theme is that you are surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals who are in the same boat as you, you know, and I think you, you've got that opportunity to share and learn from them. Um, so, so much advice, sharing the wins, sharing the fails, sharing the challenges, and that can be a real inspiration. And that has helped me because building those relationships has, not instantly, but over time has helped to bring me lot, you know, lots more business. Um, so networking, I think, definitely has been key. Uh, the other thing for me that I'm so happy to say is Google, and it's taken time, but I'm now six years into my into my business, and I do get a steady stream of leads, and I always ask, where did you first hear about me? And the number of people that say, oh, I Google searched and you came up, and I was, yes, it's, you know. <laughs> It, it does is, work. It it does work. And it's um and and so I would say make sure that you, you know, you do work on your website, you do work on your SEO, you are using those keywords and, and over time it for me certainly it's helped. And I, I think one of the things I do is if I'm asking for a testimonial, I will ask them to leave it on Google in the first instance, not to write it, you know, and email it to me, but to go and 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 leave it on Google. And I think that has definitely helped um, me as well because it does feed into the the SEO. I mean, you're <laughs> you're the expert on this, Marie. You tell me, but I feel that it has helped with um with that with those search results. Um it so, definitely so, it yes. definitely does. And you've definitely got the right approach in terms of asking people for that Google review. People often ask me where it's the best place for reviews. And if you're building up your business on, say, LinkedIn, then it might be best to have reviews on LinkedIn. But from an SEO point of view, definitely having Google reviews is really, really helpful. Absolutely. I totally agree. And when, when I do train on LinkedIn, I say that, you know, LinkedIn review, they've got a recommendation functionality and a review functionality now. But I would still favor Google uh, in terms of sheer kind of search power over LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. That's been really, really helpful. Um, before we finish, have you got any other marketing tips that, that you think small business owners should be aware of? 
We've covered a lot already. We have, we have. I think as I, as I said before, just remembering that marketing is so broad. It's not just about social media. Um, and many small businesses, when you say the word marketing, they just think social media, but there are so many different elements. So you know, we keep going back to the audience, but trying to understand who your audience is and what are the different channels that they use and what kind of channels may be more impactful for them and getting a good mix um, is really important. At the beginning, it's probably a case of, of trialing. Um, but as I'd mentioned before, don't forget to ask everyone that comes to you, where did you first hear about me? Because if you have that information, it, it can be so powerful. It can help you to understand where to spend your budget in future, where to spend your time in future and focus on the channels that that really that really help. Um, and I think going back to Google, it, Google My Business or whatever it's now called, it's not Google My Business anymore, is it? It's um, Business Profile. That's what I refer to it as. One. But I think as a small business owner, that's your number one thing to do, I would say. It's such an impactful and free marketing tool. Um, so I would definitely set that up if you haven't already. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you. And before I get on to a final couple of questions for you, can you tell everybody where they can find you, your website and your social media? Yeah. So my website is wendybsmarketing.com and, um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, um, at wendybsmarketing and LinkedIn. If you just search my my name, I will come up. Brilliant. And I will put the links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you, Marie. And finally, a few quick questions. So first of all, a favourite podcast? <laughs> so this is as far away from business related as you can get, but I am, believe it or not, a big football fan. Uh, Liverpool is my team. And so I absolutely love a podcast called That Peter Crouch Podcast. It's by an ex-Liverpool, well, he's played for lots of teams, but we'll go for ex-Liverpool player. Um, but actually, probably more relevant to the listeners of this podcast, he's launched a new one with his wife, Abby Clancy, mm -hmm. and it's called The Therapy Crouch. And it's brilliant. It's all around parenting and relationships and it's very, very funny, well worth a listen. So I'll, I, I'll go for that one. That's what I'm listening to. <laughs> I might have to get. I might have to give that it's one a listen. It's really not, good. Not the football one. Um, not the necessarily, football one. <laughs> but, uh, but the one with the parents because they are actually very funny. I have heard they them. So I think I saw them on Saturday Night Takeaway a few years ago together, and they were very, very funny. Yeah. They certainly bust the stereotypes that you might have about the pair of them. Yes, absolutely. And they're so it's so relatable. I just find myself laughing and comparing what my kids are doing to it. So yeah, it's a good one. Brilliant. And favorite business book? So I'm going to be honest, Marie, I cannot remember the last time I read a book from cover to cover. I, I can't, but um, I'm going to go for a classic marketing book, which is called All Marketers Alliance. I don't know if you've read that. It's a Seth Godin book um, and it's got some great insight and it's essentially about storytelling and how we believe what we want to believe. And sometimes we believe what marketers want us to believe. Um, but ultimately, it's authentic storytelling that will always win. Um, and that was the case 10, 12 years ago when the book was first published, still the case today. Um, so that would be my, my recommendation. 
Ah, fabulous. I've read a couple of his. I don't think I've read that one, but that he's, he's very good. And he is timeless as well. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. And finally, and you did just give us a fantastic section there on a final marketing tip. So if you don't have anything to add, I will completely let you off. But whether you've got a final business tip for, for the listeners. I would just say, give it time, you know, surround yourself with people in a similar situation to you and keep learning, you know, keep putting yourself in positions where you learn from, from others. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. It's going to happen so much as a small business owner, but that is what, you know, that's, that's what, what's going to help you grow, help you to help other people um, in the future. And, uh, and yeah, just, I think, enjoy the freedom of being able to, to, to have your own business and, uh, and, and be your own boss. Brilliant. That is brilliant advice. Thank you so much, Wendy. It's been a pleasure You're having welcome. you on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Marie. And I don't think this is going to be your last one. <laughs> Watch this face. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Kitchen Table podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do follow or subscribe to be informed of new episodes. And don't forget to share with a friend. Thank you so much.